And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsline with you from Banff, Alberta. Banff National Park, Alberta. If you ever get a chance, by all means, check it out. It is beauty, beauty, beautiful. The Canadian Rockies. Allison is in her own great locale, Boston, for the Sloan Analytics Conference. Hello, Allison. <laughs> Hello. Banff is probably far more gorgeous. I love that place. Well, I love Boston, too, though they're di- they have slightly different aesthetics, these two cities. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us what you're – we're going to get to the Blue Jackets for sure. Tell us what you're doing there, and I've already done this morning, in fact, in Boston at, at Sloan. Yeah, so I got to uh, be part uh, – Sloan is a, a multi-sport, cross-sport sports analytics conference that's hosted by MIT – um, every year, and I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to be invited to be on their hockey panel um, with some pretty big names um, and just talk about hockey and analytics and the future of all that for about an hour. So I apologize. I made the pod a little late, but uh, had to take care of that first. And Allison, the Sloan is kind of the, the granddaddy of them all. It, it, yes, it is. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, MIT. Yeah. MIT. Exactly. It's, it's very yeah. fancy here. I think they're going to kick me out soon. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, congratulations. It's a, it's a big honor to be invited. Thank you. Um, the Blue Jackets rolled into Banff, well, after the, the loss in Calgary and rolled into this picturesque mountain, mountainous uh, little village. It looks like a looks like a little Hallmark card. It's beautiful. It's, yeah. And there aren't been, I, I'm a fool. I thought this place would be crowded in the winter. And fair for skiing and fairly empty in the summer. It's the complete opposite. It's absolutely packed in the summer and not that many people here in the wintertime. 
Um, so, you know, you're walking down the street, oh, there's a Blue Jackets employee. Oh, there's another one. It's like they, <laughs> they've taken over the little village here for the for the couple of days. And the, the Blue Jackets players will skate uh, down here in Banff at a uh, recreation facility, an indoor rink. There's also curling there, of course, um, later this morning, 11 a.m. And then they'll head off to Edmonton. But I love these little side trips they take every once in a while. I think of some of the locales that this team has skated in through the years. And I love when they go to the sort of the non-NHL. It can be kind of a headache getting there sometimes. Yeah. But the non-NHL rink, uh, they go to the University of Vancouver. Or they'll go to, I think once they did a, a skate in the University of Ontario, um, they've they've or Ottawa, there's a college in Ottawa they skated at one time. And when they go off-site in Canada especially, it's amazing how quickly word travels, and it's amazing the crowd that forms. Uh, kids that may not get a chance to see NHL players up close uh, really find their way somehow to get out of school that day and attend uh, the rink. The players yesterday had an off day, uh, and some of them, a significant number of them, opted to go Dog sledding. Yes. Which, yes, I mean, I've never, Allison, you have. I, it sounds like a hoot to me. Um, you have experience with this, Allison. Yes. So one of my crazy stories from my youth is that in uh, I spent my summers um, on a farm, and the daughter of that family was my age, and we were close, and she had she raised sled dogs, and so we would raise and train them in the summer, and then race them in the winter and if if you ever have a chance to race sled dogs ride with sled dogs it is it is incredible to it is one of the most pure animals at their purpose it's fast it's silent which is probably the coolest thing because you're usually in completely untouched snow um and i saw some of the players shared stuff on their social media and it's it's like you're you're somewhere no one has been and it's completely silent except the sound of you kind of rushing over this unpacked snow it's 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 magical and it's so beautiful up there too. I can only imagine what that was like for them. I think it's just the coolest thing ever that they did that. Sounds exhilarating, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, there, there's a fellow in Marion. I should know. I should have the name at my ready, but there's a fellow in Marion that trains dogs for the Iditarod. Cool. Yeah, which Marion? I'm sorry, Ohio. Right. Like, that's a curious place to train, but I think he's competed more than a few times. Um, but fascinating. And a very different um, air, like there are, you know, Nashville, you see buses pull up and people hop off with a bag in one hand and a, a, a guitar over their shoulder. That's not unusual. Here, everybody pouring off the buses has skis or a snowboard or something. Uh, it's just, it's the, the culture. It's amazing. Uh, it's, it's such yeah. a different, but you know, the farm I lived on that trained the sled dogs, we were in, in Ohio too. So it's very possible. Yeah. Very possible. Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome. Uh, so back to work today. The Blue Jackets again skate later this morning. Uh, don't suspect that there's going to be any people joining them on this road trip in terms of injured players coming back. So they are what they are. It appears for the rest of this trip they'll skate here today, fly to Edmonton uh, later today, and play the Oilers tomorrow night. Uh, then on to Vancouver and then home. Uh, so the three-game Western Canada trip has but two games left. Got off to kind of a rough start. Well, it's got off to a great start, actually. They played a first period on Wednesday in Calgary. It was just fantastic. Um, it, sort of, it sort of looked like they had found an old bottle 
uh, from the 19-2 and 5 run that they went on and said, yeah. oh, here's the recipe we had, boys. Uh, and then it just kind of gra- it slid over time. Mm-hmm. And you could almost feel it in the third period. The shifts were getting longer in the Blue Jackets' end. Uh, you could almost feel overtime coming. And sure enough, the Flames score an a, a extra attacker goal, minute and 40 to go. And right. off to overtime, the Blue Jackets go. Allison, these Blue Jackets have played 68 games. 23 of them have gone beyond regulation. That's more than one-third of their games. It's insane. You're a numbers person. You're a numbers person. Tell me, is that in the realm of, is that between absurd and ridiculous, or is that from absurd on the high end to just kind of crazy? Where where does that fall? I mean, it feels like it's an absurd to ridiculous, except that... I mean, except that, you. I mean, was it two, I was just trying to think this when when you mentioned this before we started, was it two years ago that they had so many overtime games? Obviously not this many, but there was a 15, yeah, 15 overtime losses previously. Um, But this is, they're 0-4 in shootouts, they're 8-11 in overtime games. Right, right. I mean, wow. But listen, again, let's take the points, right? I mean, uh, it's right. I, I, I hear your point, and, but I think it's a, the bigger what we should do. What we should do, Aaron, is go back and look at these and see which ones went to overtime because the Blue Jackets pushed it to overtime versus when was it something like in Calgary, right? Because that yes. is more telling, I think, of what we so need to know. So who scored the tying goal? Right, which team? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we, we, it feels like we've said this about a few things. I think it applies here, too. When this team got to overtime last year, the year before, it was Panarin, Dubois, Felino. Seth Jones. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at my notes too much. <laughs> Panarin, Dubois, Seth Jones. Correct. Or Cam Atkinson, sometimes. Sometimes. And on the odd occasion, Boone Jenner would come out for the draw, or Dubinsky would come out for the draw. Correct. Win the draw and quickly exit. Correct. And when those three are on the ice, Panarin, Dubois, or Panarin, Atkinson, or Dubois, Atkinson, and Jones, you had a feeling this thing's not going to be a game much longer. Totally. Because these, these guys can these guys can flat dirty it up and score. Um, now the Blue Jackets are starting overtime with some variation of, I think it was Nyquist, Jenner, Wierenski yeah. the other night. Yeah. Um, Felino comes out next. But then you're looking pretty quickly. You're looking at a, you're looking at Stenland, Nash, Gavrikov at one point. Yeah. Right? And taking nothing from those guys. For sure. But when, but when those three guys are on the ice, your best hope is possess the puck and have a clean switch for the next three. Right. And that's no way to play three on three. That's right. Like, and, and one thing that we, we always hear when they lose three on three, someone made a terrible defensive play. Right. And, and I'll hear that at times. Like there are bad decisions you can make. But I, and I want to get into this with you a little, a little bit. Else. You can't defend three on three. You, you can't. can't. No, you can like, just cover it. The, that's all. Yeah. The league put three on three in place because you can't cover it. And that's how we're going to settle games to keep them from going to shootouts. Like, so 
but when but when the, you're the Blue Jackets and you're forced to put Stenland, Nash, Gavrikov, and and I'm just pulling those right. three out because they they played together a couple times the other night, you're going through the next thirty to forty five seconds, knowing that you're that those three guys, it's going to be hard for them to score. That's right. And that it's just a they, basically what I'm saying here. The injuries have totally screwed them. They lose Panarin, they lose to Shane, they lose all, all that firepower you already know about. Right. But now they've lost Bjorkson and Jones and Atkinson, and, and that's a whole other wave of three-on-three players that they could be using right now. So these overtime losses should not be a surprise. No, and I, I think that, you know, and the other factor to this, it's not just who's, who's not on the ice or who can't be on the ice because they're injured, but, but we mentioned this a, a couple episodes ago. These are players who haven't, they simply just haven't been in these situations. So, you know, we think back yeah. to when three on three started and we saw the guys learn the hard way, but learn so many things. Yeah. Right. And then we saw the Jones sp- included. Exactly. And, and even this year we saw this group had to learn again, some hard lessons on three on three. Well, now the people who learn the lessons can't play. So the players right. who are playing, even if they're the exact same talent level have to relearn those lessons. And we're seeing that too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're hard lessons. Very, very. They, they, I mean, they're, there's, there, there's such a uh, stage that you lose them on in overtime because the ice is so damn big Yeah, and mistakes look so, gets so magnified. They look so much more obvious because you're like, Whoa, look at this. Right. And away they go. I mean, you just, there's nowhere to hide. No one, nowhere to cover for you uh, is part of the problem. So let me ask you this, Jen. If you are John Tortorella, if you're the coaching staff of the Blue Jackets, I've noticed a few games where it feels like they're okay dragging it into overtime. And I get it. You want the point. Mm -hmm. You don't want to take a risk at that point and come up empty. Mm -hmm. But does it change your philosophy, Allison, if you know what a struggle overtime is for you now? Does that compel you to be more risky at the end of regulation, I'm not saying pull your goalie right. uh, in a tie game, but but be less conservative in the final two minutes, knowing that this game, which is difficult for you right now as it is, is going to get a lot more difficult based upon the rules here when this game changes to three-on-three. Three. And shootout's really no different. Like right. You look at the players that they can put out there in the shootout, and the, the list gets pretty short pretty quickly. Yeah, no, this is, this is a very good question by you. I like it. Um, it's funny because at the CBJ hack, um, Micah McCurdy gave a presentation that basically showed that teams will play for the point. So I wonder, too, that even if they decided to change the strategy, if it's, all, it's so hard to unbake that from the mindset. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's hard yeah. for all the reasons you said. You want the point. You need the point. You play for the point. By by sitting back basically and not being super aggressive, and this roster right now necessarily isn't one that can do the opposite. Can they play super aggressive with limited offensive power and, and some weaker defensive play of late? Like that's two risks. You're t- it's not like you have the healthy guys there and you say let's just go for it so that we can get the win in regulation. You know, it's hard. Right. right. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And the argument for a, a conservative approach is that. I mean, you look at what the teams around them are are totally. well, not doing. They're not doing it. Like, I think Carolina lost again last night, did Correct. they not? Correct, to Philly. The Islanders lost again last night. I mean, that the whole cluster of teams around them is not exactly making a move. Right. Which is why Columbus is still in a playoff spot. 
It's so insane. It, I mean, how does it feel to you, Allison, with 14 games left? Does it feel like they're barely hanging on, or does it feel like they're just among the group of sort of teams that are wandering around that line right now? Yeah, I, it, I feel like they're in that group of teams hanging around, um, particularly the Vancouver late game, and I think some of the play in Calgary. I don't think this is a team that's just waiting to get crushed and kicked out of it. They're still fighting. Um, the road ahead is hard, but I think that it, it, it's just so weird what's happening around them. What, what surprises me yes. about all these teams, though, quite frankly, is that other than Philly, no team is saying, oh, ha, ha, here's my chance, and just, just trying to crush. Everyone's, like, doing this. Right. So that's why I think it feels like they're just in the pack right now. Yeah, but I, I, it doesn't feel to me like they're hanging on for dear life like it did. Totally. Uh, maybe the Vancouver win changed that for me. I don't know. Totally agree with you. But uh, let's go through some teams here, and I want to get your take on a threat or not a threat. Okay. Because uh, as we sit here today, Columbus is the first wildcard team at 79 points. The Islanders are the second wildcard team at 78. Um. I don't want to say it's out of sight, but Pittsburgh's now five points up. Yeah. And they have two games in hand. So let's be smart and just say this is a wild card team. Correct. So to me, there are only three other teams. There are five teams going to two spots. Yes. Blue Jackets and Islanders currently hold it. Um, Let's look at the other three teams. New York Rangers. Threat or not a threat? Not a threat. They are... It, oh. <laughs> not a threat. Interesting. They have they have one game in hand on the Blue Jackets, and they're four points back, three points out of the wild card. Rangers, yeah. not a threat, you said. I say not a threat. I think because they've, they've lost Kreider. They've lost a goaltender. I think they're, I mean, they're just kind of a high-flying team. I, again, I say this every time I talk about them. I am not dissing them because I think they're going to be very good, but I don't think that the Rangers are going to do it this year. Not a threat. Did you see Zbanejad had five goals last week? I did, but I still say not a threat. Oh, yeah, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. (laughs) it (laughs) Um, I think they're a threat. I think they're a bigger threat to the Islanders than they are the Blue Jackets for some reason. Okay, Because the Islanders are... But I wouldn't be shocked to see the Rangers get in. And I know that's not a bold prediction. They're two points out right now. They've come out of nowhere. But you're right, there's a lot of holes there, but... eh. Let's go to the next team, and we can kind of circle back and do a, a group thought. Carolina Hurricanes, I know you're a fan. They've got three games in hand on the Blue Jackets. They're four points back of Columbus, three points back of the Islanders. It's crazy what's happened to this team. They've lost four in a row. Yep. Their goaltending is, is riddled with problems. Their back end is, even though they've acquired some people, right. they now lost two more back enders. Pesci's out, and I think Vatanen took a – Yes. Uh, step back and practice. So he's out now too. Carolina Hurricanes, threat or not a threat, Allison? Threat, as long as their goaltenders come back. Yeah, and that's like a week or so away. That's my understanding. Yes. Yeah. Threat, okay. mainly to spite uh, you. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, I, to me, they're, they're they're just a threat because they've played so few games. Valid. Yes. I mean, they've got poof, they've got the potential for for six more points there. That. Than Columbus does, but at the same time, they're, they're not winning those games right now. Uh, Florida Panthers somehow are still in this. Um, they've tried to give it away. They are at 74 points, so five back of Columbus, 
and four back of the Islanders. I guess if we're saying the Blue Jackets are out of the third Metro spot because they're five points behind Pittsburgh, we should probably say that Florida's out of uh, the first wild card spot because they're five behind Columbus. But Allison, where do you come in on uh, the uh, Los Gatos de Florida? Are they a threat or not a threat? <laughs> the Panthers are not a threat. They are done. Not a threat. Not a threat. Now, is that because, oh, here comes the shot. Is that because Bob's hurt or Bob is going to get healthy? Because <laughs> he's not right here. <laughs> I, I actually don't think it has anything to do with Bob. I think that team is reeling. I think that they seem a little directionless right now. I think they make a curious trade at the deadline that supposedly is supposed to wake up the team but takes away your talent oh. that you could have just paid for for the rest of the year. Like, I, I think that they are not a threat because they can't get their shit together. Has anybody yet explained why they made the Trocheck trade? I thought the reason was because they want. They said that they wanted to to wake some guys up, right? Wasn't this part of Q's message to the team? But like, come on! By taking one of your by taking one of your top centers out. I look. I I, I wouldn't make oh. that trade, but it's just the time. Like you mentioned a second ago, the timing of it, it's like if you want to move Trocheck, that's fine. Why take away from your team? Right now, I think that has a mental implication too. To Absolutely. Absolutely. Like now you're taking the tool away from us. What are we doing? Absolutely agree with you. One million percent. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Uh, Blue Jackets made a uh, contract signing the other day. A what? In yes. March? Yes. Uh, Jake Christensen, a defenseman from the junior ranks, Everett Silvertips, um, signs a three year entry level contract that will begin next season. This kid is interesting. He's not, he's normal size for a defenseman today. He's what they used to call a small defenseman. He's six foot, 190 pounds. Uh, the kid can fly. He has great offensive skills. I don't know if he can defend or not, but that can be taught a lot easier than, than the uh, offensive abilities, certainly. Those as a defenseman, you either have them or you don't. This kid has them. Mm-hmm. He's, got, he's got 20, 27, 47 in 35 games or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've only seen highlights. I've not seen him play. But he can wheel, he can deal, and he can move. The reason the Blue Jackets were interested in this player, perhaps as much as this player was interested in them, maybe for the same reason, is if you look at their defensive depth chart, uh, it, it got suddenly thin with Gavrikov and Peak uh, moving to the NHL this season. We think Peak's going to be a regular next year. Um Suddenly, you're looking at Tim Burney, right? And you're looking at Eric Hjorth, both of whom are not. Uh, Hjorth is here in the OHL. Uh, Bernie's still over in Switzerland. I'm not sure if Switzerland, make, if Switzerland, if Bernie makes the jump from Switzerland to the U.S. next year. I certainly think Hjorth may be uh, AHL ready, but not NHL ready. They needed not just another defenseman in their pipeline. They needed a skilled defenseman in their pipeline and there's a lot of people who think that this guy can play yeah i reached out to a couple folks i have not been able to watch him play yet um, but some folks who have um, say that perhaps one of the reasons he he went undrafted is he is a little shorter than maybe they expected because his both his dad and his uncle i guess were very tall and were basketball players so they were kind of hoping for that um but to your point he's a very offensively the, the quote i got from one <clears throat> viewer was uh that it's uh He's basically a forward out there, 
and we've we've heard that before. Yep. <laughs> so um, yeah, of course you always want to wait and see what the transition looks like. But this is an organization that blue, the Blue Jackets have looked to before. They they know it, um, and it, the, the reviews I got were. Not that I expected them not to be good, but they were far more interesting than I expected them to be at first glance. Yeah, I heard Tory Krug. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, although he's bigger than Tory Krug, but yeah, similar style, just goes, goes, goes. Right, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, so interesting. Uh, Blue Jackets tomorrow night at Edmonton, Sunday at Vancouver, and then they head home from Western Canada. Uh, Allison, what have you got for us on the Ohio State hockey front? Yeah, it's a it's a big weekend. Um, it was actually pretty cool when I was flying out yesterday. I happened to cross paths with the Ohio State women's team. Um, they are headed to Minnesota to play in the final faceoff, which is the last four teams in their conference for the championship. Uh, so that's one to watch if you are able to online or scoreboard watch. They have a pretty good shot to make it back to the NCAA's, which is awesome. And uh, if, you're, if you're jonesing for local hockey that you want to go see, the Ohio State men have a three-game first-round series against Wisconsin at home starting tonight, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, in the first round of the Big Ten uh, tournament. Those stinking Badgers. Tell you what, man. Can't go away. Stinking Badgers. I get it. When do you head home from Sloan, Allison? I, I will, well, it's apparently supposed to snow here now. So barring, barring that that gets taken care of tonight, uh, I'm supposed to head home Sunday. So I'll be back when, when, right around when you get back. Well, I've been snowed in in Boston before. There are worse cities. I'd like to get home, I think, though. However. Well, there's that. There's that. But, I mean, we could, yeah. Um, off off the tracks. They're on at 11. I'll take some pictures and tweet them. It's always... Uh, a nice site and the small homey rinks. And we will be talking to you again uh, very soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you later. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.